when you're talking about your mother, I'm thinking about my mother as well. Say almost the same as my mother says. My mother, 94 years old. My mother uh, become more younger and younger. Her voice is more louder and louder. Oh my goodness! My brother say my mother maybe going can live more than hundred years, and my mother's health is better than my brother. He said, <laughs> "I'm so glad to hear that." When my my mother become very healthy, I think maybe same as you. 안녕하세요. Good morning. Good morning. My dear brothers and sisters, clergy and members of office, 안녕하십니까? Today, I'd like to talk about the true family and I from True Mother's Anthology, Volume 2. Let's start. The True Family and I. If you unburden and liberate your mind completely, your conscience will automatically connect with the true love of God. Let us compare the position of the conscience to the position of love. You will see that love precedes the conscience. This is because the conscience begins from love. The kingdom of heaven is a place where we go to live in unity with God's true love and a free conscience. It is the place we go after having lived centered on love and after engrafting ourselves into the lineage of God's love. Without winning this love, we can never enter the kingdom of God. We will have to wait thousands of years until that day comes. Due to the fall, there will not be a connection with the kingdom of heaven as long as humanity is not illuminated by God's true thought and sustained by God's true love. The person who lives in unity with a true conscience and true love will automatically enter the kingdom of heaven. No matter how much faith a person has in Jesus, if he or she is not linked to the love of God, and if that person's mind and body are struggling, that person cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. The person who inherited Satan's lineage cannot enter the kingdom. Religions with the mission of opening the way are struggling among themselves. This will lead to a sad state of affairs in the last days. God cannot be found where there is conflict. Religion is a movement to subjugate the body and liberate the conscience. Religion itself is not the key that unlocks the door to salvation. We have to know that the love, life, and true lineage of God are the key that opens the door to salvation. This is what we need to inherit. Yeah, thank you. Due to the human fall, the conscience of us as human beings accumulated a lot of uh, uh, filth and became dirty. That's why in order to liberate the conscience, we need to remove our fallen nature and make our bodies absolutely obey our conscience. Therefore, the first responsibility of the fallen people is for our mind and body to become one centered on conscience and to become one blood in. We need to change our blood lineage, right? Furthermore, we need to create a family 
and experience the four great realms of heart and the three great kingships and realize true love. This course is the way to conquer God's love. Uh, without winning this love, we can never enter the kingdom of God. We will have to wait thousands of years until that day is come. A family where mind and body fight and husband and wife fight cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It is a proof that we are still divided because we have not been able to liquidate the lineage of Satan within us. God cannot be found where there is a conflict. Satan surely exists where there is a conflict. Conflict belongs to Satan. Unity belongs to God. But God is surely present where there is unity. If mind and body unite, and everyone without exception will feel God in heart and meet him and can surely feel the presence of God to extend that, uh, that they unite. We have to know that the love and life and true lineage of God are the key that opens the door to salvation. And that's why, uh, that's what we need to inherit. My brothers and sisters, I already talking to you that unity is very, very important. You know, how, how do I know how much it create my unity between mind and body? Immediately we know in your life of faith, how much do you feel God? How much do you feel God? You know, if you really feel God, you are really reaching some kind of the level. You already create unity, unity between mind and body. But even though you believe in God through the divine principle, but you cannot feel that, that means still there is a really homework. How can we improve more unity between mind and body? Surely, you know, Father, you show the, uh, the see Father. He's the one who really perfect man, creating unity between mind and body. He can see God, he can talk to him, he can relate to anyone, he can see everybody. Yeah? Visibly, invisibly, he can see everybody. That is the standard of the unity between mind and body. Our three parents showed the standard, the unity between mind and body. Can you imagine the power of the unity between mind and body? If we really create unity in mind and body, wow, that is a really incredible power. Nothing impossible. Incredible power, like the same as a father's standard. Can you imagine about that? Wow, that means our standard how far away compared to our true parents, right? Uh, today, living divine principle, the consequences of the human fall. Let's just study. The consequences of the human fall. What were the consequences of the spiritual and physical fall of Adam and Eve for the entire universe, including humankind and the angels? <clears throat> Satan and fallen humanity. Satan is the name given to the archangel Lucifer after he fell. When the first human ancestors fell, they bound themselves in blood ties with Lucifer. They formed a four-position foundation yoked to Satan, and thus all humanity became the children of Satan. 
This is why Jesus said to the people, you are of your father, the devil, and called them a brood of vipers. Also in Romans 8, 23, St. Paul wrote, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons. This indicates that no one belongs to the lineage of God. Instead, human beings are of the lineage of Satan. Adam and Eve fell while they were still immature, and they formed a four-position foundation centering on Satan. Consequently, this world has come under Satan's sovereignty. Hence, the Bible calls Satan the ruler of this world and the God of this world. Furthermore, it is written in Romans 8, 19 to 22, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. These verses describe the agony of the creation as it longs for the appearance of unfallen people who have perfected their original nature and who will vanquish Satan and rule it with love. And let us study Father's Lord. The enemy of love cannot be loved. God should have substantially played the role as a father of us, human beings who can communicate with blood lineage and feelings, but he could not do so. Then who violated the position? Satan, the devil did. Therefore, Satan has become an enemy of love before God. Then, as he has become the enemy, he cannot be forgiven without any condition. If God has to unconditionally forgive the enemy of love, then what would happen? The heaven and earth would be upside down. God would rather kill his own sons and daughters, squander his fortune, and even perish everything than forgive the enemy of love. Forgiving the enemy of love is against the heavenly law. Yes. Satan is God's greatest enemy of love. Satan made Adam fall and violated God, God's children, Adam and Eve, and violate, violated all the creation of heaven and earth, which God made with all his sincere devotion. And he is violating all the descendants and driving all of them into the hell of the hell. And Satan also killed God's one and only begotten son, Jesus whom he sent after 4,000 years. Satan killed numerous uh, saints and sages and sent and threw father to prison six times. How can you love such an enemy? Think of God's lamentation over Satan. God is absolute goodness and absolute love, so he can never compromise with evil. Good and evil are like water and oil. Evil must be eliminated. Otherwise, you cannot re reconcile, you know. That's why you should know that the good and evil can never be compromised. True love does not forgive unconditionally. But to forgive, it needs absolute condition that can, can be forgiven. God sent the Messiah as a, a being who could uh, mediate between God and humankind. That's why the Bible called the Messiah or mediator, who is the uh, male factor of Satan. 
That is the Archangel Lucifer. The evil committed by the Archangel Lucifer cannot be forgiven. That evil must be eliminated. But the Archangel himself is a being that must be forgiven like all fallen human beings. That's why our parents were able to forgive and liberate even the Archangel Lucifer. The, the, uh, the male factor of Satan and uh, through the many indemnity conditions that they set. However, we have to set our own indemnity condition to remove our own individual fallen nature left by the archangel. If we unconditionally forgive Satan, then what would happen? Then Satan would come sin again. Therefore, we need to bring Satan to natural surrender so that he can no longer uh, do evil, natural surrender, complete surrender through true love. Next. Supposedly, the archangel was standing in the position of a slave whom God had to love. He would accuse God if God did not love him, saying, If you are the absolute God, the love, the promise, and the principle also must have been absolute. Then, have you ever loved me in the perfected position? The archangel would accuse God of his not being responsible to perfectly love him, saying that you would not beat me if you fail to love me in the perfected position. Even God can only judge the wrong deeds of Satan after he loves Satan in the perfected position. Satan can say that, if God could not have practiced the principles after setting them up, even God himself would not accomplish the perfected position. And the Satan would also say to God that even though your loving son could become a central being who has inherited your legacy of all and represents you, thereby moves the universe, he has never loved me in the perfected position before. Wow, this is really incredible, Father's guidance. And divine principle do not mention, either divine principle do not mention, but Father explained very clearly here. Satan accuses God, heavenly God, when you, uh, when you have uh, you, uh, when you, when, uh, when have you perfected love me, have you ever loved me on the standards of perfected creation and perfected human beings? Even though I am a betrayer to you, don't you have to love me no matter what? You know, Archangel fell at the top of the cross stage, right? Actually, God's supposed to love when heaven, when Adam and Eve become perfect beings. And then, and then God need to love Archangel at the position of the completion. So Archangel did not receive that kind of level of love from God. Next, next Satan accuses human beings, although I tempted Adam and Eve, don't you become my masters when you over, overcome that, become perfected and perfectly love me. Satan continuously accuse, accuse human beings to this day. I still have not received uh, the love of perfect human beings, even though I violated human beings. 
Don't you have to fulfill your duty of love to me? Wow. The reason there are still accusations means that I still have not yet fulfilled my portion of responsibility. Therefore, in our course of, uh, course of the faith, we must overcome Satan's accusation, thinking that it is a Satan's whip to perfect ourselves. In the end, as long as there are accusations from Satan, even God cannot stand in the perfect position, and human beings cannot stand in the perfected position either. This is God's sorrow. Let's say, you know, everybody liberated, enter the kingdom of heaven. Still one person accused God, and then God is not yet become, you know, his mission not yet completely finished. If still Satan accused, perfect world means that there is no accusation, even 0.1%. That's why there is an accusation means I, I still need to do my portion of responsibility. That's why your wife accuses you, your husband accuses you, your children accuse you, your able accuse you, even though you are doing right, you are still could not fulfill your portion of responsibility. Need to have the natural surrender. This kind of situation is God's sorrow. We need to know that God can judge Satan on the standard of first perfecting human beings and perfecting all things. We also need to know that Satan wants to receive God's perfect love and human beings' perfect love by Jesus loving the very enemies that killed him even while dying on the cross. He brought Satan to natural surrender. That's why, why Satan completely surrendered to Jesus? Since any human being came to the earth, no one win over Satan. But when Jesus crucified on the cross, he forgave his enemy. His enemy repentative of Satan, you know, Lucifer. That's why even Satan, Lucifer, really moved. No one, no one loved me in that situation. Even Satan, according to Father, even Satan really moved. He confessed, I first time received perfect love from Jesus. You know, Jesus' quality of love is really amazing. Even Satan naturally surrendered. His enemy killed him, but Jesus said, he does not know what he's doing. Forgive him. Oh my goodness. That's why Jesus is perfect man. His quality of love really makes Satan surrender. This is the condition, Father said. This is the condition that Jesus can resurrect again. Wow. That's why no one can deny Jesus is God's only begotten son. My brother senses, I really love Jesus. His quality of love can forgive his even enemy. And then Satan really first time receive perfect love 
from the human being. That's why no choice. God, now you can handle. You can resurrect him. If Satan still accuses Jesus, then God cannot resurrect Jesus. According to Father's explanation, you need to about the uh, you need to uh, study Washington Times' twentieth anniversary. That time, Father talking about this one. Wow, this is really amazing. That's why that condition of loving the enemy made it possible for God to resurrect our beloved Jesus. Wow. Jesus' quality of Jesus, a quality of Jesus' love. You know, give the big impact to entire 2,000 years of history, you know, before true parents are coming. Because of Jesus' love. How about true father? His quality of love influence entire human history from now on, eternally. Eternally. Because of his quality of love. Because of the, his quality of Johnson. Amazing. Amazing. Jesus is really amazing. Our true parents are really amazing, right? That's why anyone accuse you, even though you are right. Even though you are right, someone accuses you, that means you need to reflect. I need to love him. Until that person completely surrender to me. Even though you go principal way, but someone persecute me, accuse me, you know, insult all kind of things, but still you need to reflect. Do not judge him. You know? That means why that guy accuse me? I I, you know, God asked me to grow up. God asked me to separate from the Satan, become a better person. We need to reflect that way. That's the attitude of the true man, but evil guy. Someone accuses me, and you really say back, say back to that guy, how come you do like this? Well, you see Jesus, how Jesus' attitude, we can learn so many things, Jesus' attitude. What does a humble mean? Right? What does a humble mean? We learn through the Jesus. I don't like Jesus about the Christian church denomination, but I really love Jesus' quality of love. He's the my Messiah. He's really my Father. He's my Lord. When I know that about the real, real meaning of the Jesus, I cry often. He's an amazing guy, really amazing guy. Uh, today's youth ministry, uh, the family pledge and family harmony, it makes all go oh, well. Let's study. The best prayer of all prayers is the family pledge. The best prayer of all prayers is the family pledge. Can there be some other prayer greater than the family pledge? This family pledge is something that God and true parents bestowed to us, wishing that all humankind, including blessed families, will take responsibility and put it into practice. The family pledge are contents that God desperately wishes for us to live according to the family pledge and practice it. In regard to God and true parents achieving the will, 
This family pledge is the most important content. God and true parents do not have a wish greater than this. Therefore, the family pledge is our vision, goals, and prayer. There is nothing greater than this. But what is your desired wish? Only God's wish must become our wish. When that happens, we can become the filial family that God wishes for. An immature child lives centered on their own wish. However, a mature child of filial piety lives centered on their parents' wish. Yes, I spoke about the importance of the family pledge yesterday, right? But actually, the best prayer of all prayer is a family pledge. And the family pledge is our vision, goals, and God's purpose of creation. There is no greater prayer, prayer, a greater prayer than repeating the family pledge and uh, praying all of God and true parents' wishes are in this family pledge. And it contains everything we need to take responsibility over. Christians confess their faith through the Lord prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I, you know, I remember in Korea, but you know, always we are, you know, Christian people talking about, they often pray, centering on Lord prayer, right? The Lord prayer, just now what I read, right? The Lord, Lord prayer makes no mention of the family at all, right? So uh, it is because Jesus died without being able to form a family and set on uh, example. We cannot compare about this, uh, you know, the Lord Lord's prayer and then family pledge. Family pledge is a final one. Don't have any more pledge more than this. Okay? A mature child on filial piety lives centered on their parents' wish. Therefore, since the family pledge is the wish of God and true parent, we must live with a way of living and create centered on the family pledge. Next. Who will fulfill God's wish? In this world, even though a son or daughter grows up, becomes financially independent, and reaches a marriageable age, if they age without living properly and do not even help their parents or get married, in the end, that family's blood lineage will be cut off and become miserable. God's original purpose of creation is exactly like this. If we bless families, know God's will, but do not fulfill God's wish, then who will? Even if a child is born into a difficult family, if that child grows up well and has the gratitude of their parents for raising them, but do not take responsibility for the sorrow of their parents' poverty, then who will? God's circumstance is just like this. Had Adam and Eve absolutely obeyed God and married under God's supervision, they would have received God's blessing 
and become a family of eternal life living together with God. Heavenly fortune and material fortune will come where there is love. Two fathers said that if couples of blessed families today become one and served each other well like God, God will take responsibility over that family's financial matters. The financial situation of a family of true love ought to be blessed by God. Just try to become a family overflowing with love. You will never live in poverty. Heavenly fortune coming to that family is determined by love. Why have you still been unable to escape from poverty? Father said, because the couple still has not become one and they still have conflicts, they are still poor. Now, as we usher in the age of love, material fortune and heavenly fortune want to go to places with love. Please keep in mind that when a couple is in conflict, poverty and suffering will come endlessly. Oh my goodness. For our blessed family to realize a family place is resolving God and true parents' harm, which is God's, you know, bitter sorrow. Now it is the age of a family, right? The age of the family is the age of love. The age of resolving all problems through indemnity, like in the past, uh, is over already. Now is the age of resolving everything through love. We have ushered in an amazing era in which everything will prosper as long as there is love in the family. True Father said that if couples of the blessed family today become really one and serve each other uh, well, uh, uh, well, like God, you know, God will take responsibility of the family's financial matters. If God does not give a materialistic fortune to families of love, then where else would he give it? It is a principle that material wealth always follows love. There is a love. There is a material fortune as well. Even material wealth try to follow love. That kind of thing is a uh, impossible in the age of indemnity. But now, indemnity had ended and it is the age of love. So, if the husband and wife unite and parents and child unite, it is a principle that God will give materialistic fortune definitely. You need to believe in that. If you just create a family overflowing with love, Husband, love wife, wife, love husband, parents, love children, children, love parents, centering on God, they feel, wow, our house is like a kingdom of heaven. I am telling you, even if you tell God not to come, he will come to that family. This is because even God wants to find a place where there is love and stay there. Keep in mind that love is always accompanied by material blessings. Families of true love will never live in poverty. Again, families of true love will never live in poverty. 
heavenly fortune coming to that house is not determined by power, material things, or money, but by love. Why have you still been unable to escape from poverty? Father said, because the couple still has not yet become one, and they still have conflicts. They are still poor. Now, as we usher in the age of love, material fortune and heavenly fortune want to go to the place with love. Please keep in mind that when a couple is in conflict, poverty and the suffering will come endlessly. Wow. That's why no worry money from that one, okay? Just worry how to create unity between you know, husband and wife. Uh, creating unity between um, parents and child, just creating beautiful unity, serving each other, loving each other, centering on God, and nobody at all material things and money, because money and material follow where true love is. That's a true. And God wants a blessing to where? Where? Where is the love? Where is, the, where is the unity? God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit and love and blessing to that area. This is really absolute true, my brothers and sisters. Next. Family harmony, harmony makes all go well. In Korea, there is the expression, Ga wa man sang sa, sa sang. This means that if the family is harmonious, everything goes well. Being harmonious is our responsibility. Once we are harmonious, heaven will take responsibility afterwards. That is why our biggest question is how much the couple serves each other while being harmonious. If we are harmonious, the concept of me disappears. The concept of husband and the concept of wife will also disappear. There is no self-centeredness in true love. If you just become a harmonious family like that, God will take responsibility over your family. And that family will become a family of eternal life, which God works with. However, if the couple fights, that becomes God's Han, bitter pain. Because of Adam and Eve, Han was formed. But if blessed families have conflicts again, it will become a sorrow to God. If husband and wife do not become one and just fight, that couple's entire life will become pitiable. We know all about this truth. Know clearly that tribulation and storms of life arise when families are in conflict. Not only that, but all children become delinquents. When you fight, the money of a wealthy family will run away. Why are developed countries becoming more and more ruined? It is because families are not harmonious, but are in conflict. Yeah. True father really, really liked the expression Kaupa Mansa song. He always wrote uh, this calligraphy and put the on the wall, and he often watching for that Kahua Mansa song, which means that if the family is harmonious, 
everything goes well. Many, many kind of the fortune will come. Being harmonious is our responsibility. Once we are harmonious, giving blessing is God's portion of responsibility. Therefore, now in line with the age of love, we really need to create harmonious family. Then how do we create harmonious families? Anyone can create harmony by serving first before speaking. Anyone can create harmony just by serving first before talking about. To be harmonious, the first thing is for the couple to be harmonious. If the couple is harmonious, there is no need to worry about children's education. If the couple, if the couple is harmonious, God will take responsibility of the children's growth. And to be harmonious, there cannot be any self-centered action and thoughts of yourself. Just, uh, just as a salt dissolves when uh, it is in the water and gives it a salty taste, a champion of harmony will lose the element of the self uh, in human relationship and will only give a salty taste no matter where they go. If you just, uh, uh, if, if you just look at harmonious family, you will see, the, see that God will stay in that family and they will become a family of eternal life. However, when a couple is in conflict, it becomes God's heart, which is God's soul. Because of Adam and Eve have heart was formed, uh, but if a blessed family have conflicts again, it will become a sorrow to God. If husband and wife do not become one and justify that couple's entire life will become pitiable. We know all about this truth, right? Already we know through the divine principle and father's guidance, know very clearly that tribulation and storms of life arise when families are in conflict. Not only that, but all children become uh, delinquents. When you fight, the money of the wealthy family will run away. Why are developed countries becoming more and more re, uh, ruined? It is because the families are not harmonious, but are in conflict. Wow, today's guidance is really incredible. That's why, what is our portion of responsibility? Creating unity creating harmony then based on that condition the uh, the, the, the the rest one is a god's portion of response god pour out the holy spirit and blessing and money fortune material fortune everything that's why create unity and harmony is the key my brothers and sisters right today i talk about the family pledge and family harmony makes all go well thank you very much Thank you, Dr. Young, for another incredible, incredible guidance. <laughs> the key word is just love, love, love. You know, if God is love, then God is where love is. So if we want God, we have to love. We have to express it. So just thank you for that. And also, yeah, key phrase for today also, I learned, Gahwaman Sasong. Thank you, Dr. Young. Wow, correct pronunciation. Wow. You need to learn <laughs> Korean language, okay? <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> thank you. Now we're going to go on to our living testimony. And uh, today we're going to go to District 5. There was another winter workshop. So we're having a slew of winter workshops uh, um, testimonies. And today we'll be hearing from Ruth Nagawa. Ruth Nagawa. 
Hi, good morning. Uh, I hope you guys can hear me well. Uh, I'm not sure which side. Can everyone hear me? We hear you fine. Okay. All right. So oh, this is by live, by live or recording? She's here. <laughs> wow, good, good. Rus, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm just going to start with, obviously, you know my name. My name is Ruth. Um, I'm 23, and I'm a college student. I also work at Starbucks. That's not really, everyone's always like, oh, wow, but it's, it's just a job. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, this winter workshop, um, we started planning around September and it's, the planning seemed really simple because I think things always seem simpler when you're just looking at the little details, you know, you're like, okay, we just need like this piece and like we have the teams and we have this kitchen staff and we have the staff that we need and people are signing up. So everything's just good. Um, and it's very different when you actually are there and everyone's there asking questions. Um, and if anyone here was there for my talk at church, it'll sound kind of similar. But when I was a kid, um, I always wanted to do workshops from like, I mean, very young, like age 12. <laughs> I was like, I want to plan workshops. I'm a leader of a workshop. I saw people doing it and I was like, wow, that's what I want to do um, for the church when I'm older or even just now. So I convinced my parents to let me run a workshop when I was 12 and 13 and I think 14. Um, and we charged like $40. It was, I had no idea what I was doing. My parents and um, one of the uh, church leaders had to like pick up a lot of the slack and pay extra money without telling me because they don't want to disappoint me. But there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes I didn't know about. And it was really difficult, but those are really small workshops. So as I got older, I started participating more and I was like, okay, I see, you know, what happens. I see the moving parts. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Like, it's easy. It's easy. Planning a workshop, you know, and I go to Camp Lone Star. I don't know if you guys have heard of it um, every year and I help out. I've been an MC for the past two years and I'm like, oh, you know, like those are my friends and they're stressed, but like, I don't see what the stress is about per se. Like, it's hard, but you know, once you have everything together, it should be pretty simple to put together. So come the time for our workshop to happen and um everything seemed relatively simple you're like okay we have everybody here we know what we're doing so i kept telling myself okay um because it was me and nanyang and tamami my sister and nanyang is um our i think sub-regional leader for like youth um for am so i was i guess technically the coordinator which i kept trying to avoid that title because i was like oh coordinator comes with a lot of work you know, and then more responsibility and I had to be held accountable. So I was like, oh, we're just all equal. But then Pastor Luke kept saying coordinator, coordinator. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm the coordinator. So um, I was preparing something for our first activity on the first day. And I was called to go talk to the kitchen staff. And I kept telling myself before the workshop, reach out to the kitchen staff, send an email, send an email. But I was working the day before the workshop and I worked the Saturday before Christmas, like Christmas Eve. So um, I didn't really have a lot of time to do the extra things that I had planned to do. And I kept leaving myself reminders, but it's easy to let things like slip through when you're doing other things, right? And like working and planning a workshop at the same time is really hard. Um, so I forgot to reach out the, to the kitchen staff. So we go into this meeting and um, it was very difficult because the whole time I was, I just, I kept trying to give like suggestions and I kept being told, you know, you didn't reach out to us. So we did this and like all this stuff is already done. Um, 
And because of all the stress of the workshop and like everything happening last minute, um, I ended up having like kind of like an anxiety reaction, I guess, um, which was very emotional for me. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I had to put myself together because we literally were supposed to start the opening ceremony in like an hour. And I was like, I cannot be breaking down an hour before we have to start the workshop because I have to go up there and start. So, um, yeah, at that, so at that moment, sorry, we have a lot of people in the house. <laughs> so at that moment, I was like, okay, I just need God to really come and like help me out because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I feel like I'm completely underqualified. As soon as people start asking you questions, I feel like a lot of the confidence that you have starts to go away because you're like, okay, who am I to be answering their questions? Um, but I think that it's really interesting how, like, I think with prayer and like requests um, that you put out in the universe and put out with God, it's interesting how they don't, the answers don't necessarily show up until they're meant to. Like when I was younger, I was like, okay, um, I was told that I was too young to lead workshops and I was told that it wasn't my time and oh, maybe leading isn't for me or maybe when I'm older later. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna give up. Like I'm gonna focus on myself, I'll do other things. Um, and then when I moved to Georgia, I kept being asked to participate and lead things. And I was like, oh no, you know, I'm busy with school, I'm busy with work. Um, and this year even I wasn't planning to lead the workshop, but because uh, Miyambi who led it last year wasn't available because she had her baby and um, she's busy with work. It ended up being me. And I didn't think about it until during the workshop. I was like, this is what I wanted when I was like 12 years old. Like this is like over 10 years ago. And you know, God was like, okay, now you're ready to take it on. And I didn't think I was, but um, yeah, things worked out. And I really think that um, it's interesting having to be open to like criticism. I think that's another thing that like really shows me that I was ready for it now because the criticism people gave me, especially coming from like the staff, um, like team leaders, kitchen staff, I think even a few years ago, I wouldn't be ready for it. I'd be like really hard for me to hear people say that stuff because I'm like, okay, well, I put so much work into this, so you should just appreciate it. And it's like, no, that's not how that works at all. Like in order for things to be good, you have to take constructive criticism and feedback because you're not doing it for yourself. Like I'm not running a workshop for myself, I'm running it for people, um, for the kids especially. And like the kids really make it worthwhile. A lot of their experiences, like there's some kids that showed up to church, I think like 10 years ago, and they said that they didn't feel welcomed where it wasn't like the community for them. So they stopped coming to church and their parents signed them up for the workshop last year. They couldn't come because they have COVID. So they came this year. And at first they were very standoffish. So I was worried about them because I was like, oh, they don't really know anybody. They're new kind of. And like, I hope they have a good time. And I didn't feel like they're having a good time for a while. And we even had like a team leader say that something was wrong with um, someone on his team. But towards the end, they were like smiling, talking to people, mingling. And at the end, the youngest one was like, yeah, I'm gonna come back next year. Like I had a great time. And for me that like, even if one person says that, it makes everything worth it. But the fact that most of the kids were like, I had a really good time, I'm coming back next year. And a lot of them came back from last year as well. For me, like that really just makes everything, like all the tears and all the stress and all the late nights and the sleepless nights and um, the things that didn't pan out, everything becomes worth it. And um, there's even one girl that told me, well, she said it to everybody. She said, 
oh, um, I really enjoyed my favorite talk with, was Ruth's talk. And I was like, oh my goodness, because I thought my talk was terrible. <laughs> I thought I was speaking too fast and my points didn't make any sense. But um, she said it was her favorite talk and she took a lot from it. And yeah, I think for me, one thing I've really learned through this experience, um, it's very different leading as opposed to being a part of it. Because um, I did listen to the talks. Um, really good and like Revan Chong came from Korea I loved his talk I thought it really went with our theme surprisingly I think things just work out when they're supposed to um but it's hard because while people are talking I'm still planning things so my mind is always on okay what do the kids need what do people need from me and I think it's it's a great time to focus on serving others because while also balancing you know taking care of yourself because there's very little time to think about like what I wanted to do and what I needed um, outside of the workshop. It was always um, related to people, but it's hard like, because think, okay, well, I want while people are talking, I'm, I'm still planning things. Next, so maybe maybe my mind is always a break here. We're gonna go on to our living testimony, and uh, today we're gonna go to District Five. There was another winter workshop, so we're having a slew winter workshops testimony. But it was a great experience, and I think it made me appreciate my community more. We're because, another um, incredible, and God is where love, yeah, key phrase for today also. Wow. <laughs> on to our living like, testimony, and uh, today like, we're going to go to District 5. We'll go on to our living testimony, and today we're going to go to District 5. There was another much, winter workshop, like, so we're having a slew winter workshops uh, and, um, like, events like testimonies, this. and today me, we'll be hearing from Ruth place To run things like this, like, it's not just for people that it's not just to bring people back that don't show up. It's to make sure that we're caring for the kids that are still there, even if they don't come to church every Sunday. And that's OK. Um, so yeah, um, I'm really grateful for all the core staff and um, all the kids that came, kitchen staff, um, everyone that donated. We had some great donations, some really big donations this year. So that was really helpful. Um, and yeah, we we're trying to do another one this year, trying to make it an annual thing. Um, this is our second year. and. Um, yeah, I think for me, like the strength that I gained and like the lessons I learned definitely came all from God. Like the things that I went through last year um, really seemed pointless at first. I thought I was just suffering for no reason. Um, but yeah, the lessons, when they come into play, it really makes a difference. And I'm just, I'm grateful that I was able to be part of it this year. So um, that's all I have for today. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rusa Hansil. Yeah, you have a very beautiful bodily heart and great motivation. I feel you can be a great leader in the future. I feel you're such kind of really big heart and embracing. Wow, thank you so much, Ruth, for your beautiful sharing. Yeah, thank you, Ruth, for just all your investment to make it happen. And it's not easy, but thank you for not giving up and continuing on.